0: Hello friends. Welcome to the podcast. I hope your day is treating you well. I am spending this quarter writing my book, which means that we are posting a few of my personal favorite episodes from the last year. This episode originally aired earlier this year, but I'm wondering if you got a chance to listen to it. If you're interested in the book, you can be one of the first people to know when it goes live by signing up for our newsletter list at clubineagram.com. For now, thanks for being here and let's get into the episode. I am Sarah Jane Case and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, welcome back to the podcast. I hope your day is treating you well. Today I am actually sharing with you an Instagram live I did with Michael Shahan as a podcast form. Sometimes these Instagram lives are just so good and offer so much support that I want to make sure that we can offer them here as well, because I know some of you are podcast listeners, but maybe not Instagram followers. And this felt like a conversation I didn't want to leave just on Instagram. So I hope that you enjoy it. I cannot wait to hear how, how you felt about it. Come hang out with me and let's chat about it. I also want to put out the last call for summit tickets. So, we had our live recording, our live playing happening all through today, but we still have all access tickets available if you want to kind of work through this content throughout the year. If you've seen everybody sharing how much they enjoyed the panels and the workshops on Instagram and you're felling, you're feeling like maybe I should have signed up this year today is a really good day to sign up because starting Monday, the only thing that will be available is the all access ticket at the higher price point. But right now you can still get the all access pass at the original rate. So if that's something that interests you, definitely go check it out. And you can find it through the link in the show notes, or you can find it through our link on Instagram. Or if you just look up Enneagram and Coffee Summit 2021, it will pop up for you with all the information that you will need. Now, I will share with you as well my rosebud and thorn today. That was a little disorganized. My rose is that my favorite neighbor from my office Um put some flowers on my steps, like two little potted plants, and they're really beautiful. Um, I'm going to say my bud first because my bud is that I am actually going to move out of this office into a co-working space because I just, I'm all vaxxed up. I don't need to be like isolated anymore. And I'm really excited about it. I'm excited because the co-working space looks really cool and I'm a secret extrovert. The... (laughs) third, the bud, no, the thorn backwards. The thorn though is like selling all the things in my office, moving, having a lot of plants. I'm going to have to home back into our house, all of that stuff. So, um, you know, moving is exciting and also, you know, it's a lot of work. So that is that for me. Let's get into our chat with Michael and uh, I'll see you soon for the next episode. Hello, how's it going? Good, Michael. I realize that I've only ever read your last name. So <laughs> That's yeah. what I figured. <laughs> How do you
1: pronounce it? Uh, it's Shayhan. Shayhan.
0: Okay. Sorry. You're not alone. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, you are a therapist. You teach the Enne- you work with the Enneagram. You do mm-hmm. it together, and then you Yes. you also work with therapists who use the Enneagram, right?
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. I teach a class on how to sort of implement the Enneagram into your own therapy practice, which is awesome. I love doing it.
0: <laughs> and so kind of one of the things we're talking about today is specifically around trauma and the Enneagram and how trauma impacts these things, mm. how does it play together?
1: Oh, man, that's such a huge question. So that's the question that everybody's always... And, and I mean, it's not bad that you ask the question. It's That's <laughs> kind of the question that so many people ask and want to know about. Because, it's I mean, questions like, does trauma affect my number? Um, does trauma, I don't know, change my number? Does, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's all sorts of questions. And I tend to... Um, because I work with trauma, before I even started using the integrator in my practice, my main focus was trauma. Um, I have a lot of uh, uh modalities that I use as a therapist that are specifically geared toward trauma, like something called EMDR. I you heard that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um um and IFS, internal family systems, um, and polyvagal theory, um, lots of things that I use to work with clients with trauma. And then the Enneagram seemed to fit right along with what I do already. Um I don't know what specific questions you have, but I, I can sort of do you have specific questions, or we can just kind of speak to yeah. that in the combination?
0: Well, I can definitely ask a specific questions. So, as someone, well, let's start with as someone who maybe as we're considering our type, what does trauma? Where does trauma play into this? Is it like, oh, we all <clears throat> all types have the same trauma, or I'm um, mm. this type because of my trauma?
1: Yeah. Okay, perfect. So I tend to think it's it's not necessarily it's our type tends to show us what we're most easily traumatized by, if that makes any sense more than anything. Yeah. So like, um, when the core messages and the core core fears of our number gets get really, like pounded on and poked those raw spots, it's easier for it to become trauma, it's easier for it to stay unprocessed, because it becomes too much for us. And so it's, I tend to focus less of on, because we can, we can talk about it all day, but less on how our trauma, um, how trauma affects our Enneagram number itself and more of how much our Enneagram number affects our trauma. I think it's a really different question, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think, so there's, there's all sorts of opinions about trauma and what it does to our number. I, I tend to think it, it it deeply roots you more in the patterns of your own number and it makes it harder for you to understand your number. And i I can talk that out. It's trauma tends to, we disconnect from ourselves and then in, in disconnecting from ourselves, we have a hard time knowing ourselves. Right. And so the Enneagram is way more about behaviors. And so when you're looking, I, I found a lot of people, once they work through trauma, they type as a different number. And I don't think that's because their number changes. I think it's more because they're more self-aware and able to be more self-aware of their inner motivations in ways that they weren't before. And so they can go deeper than just the stereotypes of the number of behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, when we're able to heal our trauma and work through those things, we have a greater awareness of who we are and why we act the way we act and and the things that drive us. Um, and then, so that can tend to change how people see their number. But I think that, Mm -hmm. um, we tend to, man, it's so, um, man, we tend to um, protect ourselves from our trauma through our own number, if that makes sense. So as a nine, when something traumatic happens for me, I can disassociate really quickly. That's sort of my own body's very quick response to anything traumatic, which Mm -hmm. let's pause and actually define trauma really quick, because that can confuse people. People when I usually when I say trauma, and they're not in like a therapy world or anything, it tends to they tend to think, Like car wreck, somebody dying, or some sort of like sexual trauma, like sexual abuse. Um, But trauma is way more than that. I love the definition, too much, too fast, too soon. So when anything is too much, too fast, too soon for our nervous system, our nervous system is wired, built, evolved, whatever, to process through hard things, process through new information. And when things are too much, too fast, and too soon, we can't process through it all. And so it gets stuck in us. Does that make sense? Like it's, yeah. our brain's trying to make meaning of it and it can't. And when it can't, it usually, we, we sort of get stuck in our brain tends to think that those bad things are still happening when we have, when we haven't processed through it all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, does that make sense? Kind of in that lens of trauma?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I okay. think it, yeah, I think all the time mm. thinking they do, they have to be much bigger than they are.
1: Yeah, like why I didn't have that bad of a life. And if this, uh, somebody didn't die next to me, why do not why why do I have trauma? Why do I react like this? It, they call it, uh, there's a phrase, big T trauma versus little T trauma. Big T trauma meaning one or two huge events that impact you, but the same, you can be impacted in the same way as lots and lots of little T trauma, lots and lots of smaller things, whether that's invalidation, bullying, name calling, um, um, neglect. Uh, any any mm-hmm. sort of thing can turn into this, um, especially when we're younger, because we don't have the capacity to process through things like we do if we're older and we're um, adults and more in touch with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just gonna shoot. If I if I seem too scattered, let me know. Or <laughs> if you have said, specific questions, let me know. It's like
0: giant topic.
1: It is. It's like, a giant topic.
0: What I hear you saying is like we're less like like how we process our trauma how we experience our trauma is more likely to be filtered through the lens of our enneagram type versus Mm. that being the creation of our enneagram type
1: correct yeah
0: that makes sense
1: yes Uh uh-huh yeah so we're all going to ignore if our our, if our trauma if something happens too much too too fast too soon our biggest enneagram number patterns are going to take over to try to protect us like whether it's numbing out or whether it's doing something new and different like a seven or whether it's uh, beating yourself up like a one. Um, and, and, and they all are sort of in, ineffective and they don't allow these things to be processed through us, to be like metabol the trauma to be metabolized through us and, and, and come out the other side. Um, and so it's interesting is uh, the, the better, the more healthy we are in our number, I mean the more we have access to all the centers of intelligence and can be more flexible with our number, the more resilient we are to trauma. Mm -hmm. Because we can use all of the resource our human body and our brain has for us rather than being unbalanced in one direction. Um, Like the head, heart and gut, those centers of intelligence are huge with trauma because we need all three to process through hard things. Mm -hmm. And when we're unbalanced only in one center, like if a head type is only spending their energy thinking about what happened, and not feeling about what happened or or experience the body sensations that happened, then they're going to stay more stuck. But the more we can learn to utilize the other centers, um, the more resilient we're going to be and less affected by long-term, by traumatic things, which I think is a really cool idea and really hopeful idea that we can become more resilient to trauma through Enneagram work, which is just really cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've never really thought about the centers being... Um mm. and like I like in my training right I learned like we need to balance our centers, we need to focus on like working to you know, we'll never have like true equilibrium like dreams. Sure, if yeah. only, <laughs> yeah, if only right? <laughs> um, but in in that process, like I've never really thought about it as like, oh yeah, we're building resiliency here to mm. future trauma as we process yeah trauma past trauma.
1: Yes. I am um... I, this clicked in me just a few months ago. I heard some really, when I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen my Instagram, but there's some bad news about my wife for her struggle with cancer and stuff. And, um, when I first heard, when she first called me, I was leaving work. And she said, I knew she was getting like this lump checked out. And, and she said, Hey, they just took me to the bad news room is what she called it. And like things aren't good. And I just, my stomach dropped and on the way home, I was, I, I look back at this, and I still feel really proud of myself for all, just all the work I've done with my own therapist and through my, my um, trauma work and my Enneagram work. Um, I was driving home and had about 20 minute drive and I could, I noticed myself shooting from every center back and forth, back and forth. And so what that looked like was compl- like this utter sadness and like devastation and what am I going to do and overcome by emotion. And then I would feel the snap to um, the head triad of like thinking through it. Like, Oh, this isn't that bad. This is good. This is going to happen. Statistics show this and this should work out. And then, and then I would snap some, the body center and I could feel it all in my body. And then I would say, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to fix this? And I would almost vacillate randomly back and forth. And I noticed it happening and I'm doing a lot of work. None of the gut center people have a, a lot of hard time with kind of judging and, and saying things are right or wrong, good or bad. And almost, and so I was able to, through my own work that I've been doing, like none of this is bad. This is my body processing how it needs to. I'm going to just let it go. And then I, this alternating sadness, I was like, I want to listen to sad music and to just feel the sadness. Okay, let's do that. And then all of a sudden I didn't feel sad. And I would just didn't shame myself and allowed it to move all over the place. And I think that, I think if I would have been stuck just in my like, what any center, then it wouldn't have processed all the way through. And I think that's just a really good example of, What it can look like when we let ourselves access the other centers. Because usually the other centers are very uncomfortable for us because we're not used to them. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Today's podcast is brought to you by Best Fiends. It's the busiest time of year. So if you need a break from the holiday action, Best Fiends is the perfect pick-me-up. Who says that kids should be having all the fun? Best Fiends is a match three style puzzle, an adventure game all rolled into one, and with more levels being added all the time. There's always something new to play. Best Fiends has it all. It's an amazing storyline, collectible fiends, and tons of fun puzzles. I seriously cannot put it down. It's quite possibly the best puzzle game out there, and I'm a puzzle fiend, so no pun intended. If you don't have Wi-Fi, that's okay. Play Best Fiends whenever and wherever you want with offline mode. So that means you can play in the air. So even if your holiday travels take you off the beaten path, you can still play Best Fiends. Not to brag, but I'm already at level 250. Try and catch up with me. So download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. It is so much fun and the perfect thing to do when you just need something to entertain yourself while you're waiting online, while you're on the plane. Maybe you're having to sit around at the holidays and you are like me and you get a little bit antsy. Check out Best Fiends. So much fun. Thank you, Best Fiends, for supporting the podcast. Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. One of okay. the stories that I've talked about like in my own process is that it's a minor situation. It's not just not a personal trauma, um, but just kind of feeling this feeling of like irritation but not knowing how to feel it, but just kind of being mm. this way and um, kind of mm. trying to think about it thinking over and over what could be what, Yeah what's the especially
1: the the seven yeah
0: and, it. and my husband just paused me and he's like, "Where do you feel that in your body?" Mm. And, I, and it was like immediately, like just trying to think about like where it was in my body. I was able to just articulate. I knew and I felt mm. exactly what was going on. And yes. It was so little, you know, and I was way overcomplicating it, trying to solve it from like here up.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And,
0: and I, <laughs> I just had a little bit of like a moment.
1: Mm. And, and, yeah. and so you're sort of saying it kind of worked through you quicker when you're able to access the body part and notice that.
0: Yeah, and it's almost like my body, I communed with my body, and my body spoke to my heart, my heart.
1: Yeah, my heart, yeah. It's
0: kind of like we, yes. think, we all work together. All
1: working together, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's, I think that's, I mean, we have, uh, there's a lot of uh, neurologists, p- people who study the brain and trauma call it the triune brain. There's three parts of our brain, the reptilian part, the mammalian emotional relationship part, and then the, um, um, uh, uh, why am I forgetting? What's the top layer of our brain? Neurocortex, neurocortex. Why? Why did that was weird? That's like the heady <laughs> cognitive part, and that matches exactly with the enneagram centers, which is mm-hmm. so cool. And we need all of those to to work through things. Um, uh, neocortex. that's what I was saying. I don't, that was weird. Um, so, and we and we need all of those to process through things, and 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 we are more resilient and we're more adaptive in in processing hard things when we're able to mm-hmm. do that, which I think is so cool. And so much of my work with clients looks like helping them move out of the center that they're dominant in and learning to utilize the other centers because not only can that help them work through trauma now, but it develops that further resilience to traumatic things. Things are mm-hmm. less, uh, less often too much, too fast, too soon. Yeah. Like they, 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 happen less often, less mm-hmm. often, um, which is cool. And I mean, there's, and it's interesting also seeing, like going back to that piece where I talked about how we tend to handle our trauma through our number, i um, just sort of seeing um, each uh, working with number uh, multiple clients of each number and how they tend to handle trauma um, and how they tend to handle lots of new information and lots of scary information. Um, and it's just fascinating to see the patterns that show up in each number um, and how you can see it and how it can, it's, And it's not, and they're doing something wrong. That's just kind of, and we're unbalanced in that direction. And so that's what we know how that's, that. those are the defense mechanisms we've always used and they've always worked for now. (laughs) And so they don't work anymore. Right. And then we don't know what to do with ourselves. That's usually why we see a therapist or a coach or something, because everything that we've been doing has worked so far in life. And now it's not anymore. And we just Mm -hmm. get lost.
0: (laughs) And it's like the, and and I think, when we talk about the Enneagram, especially when we're dealing with like really hard things, we're like, open yourself up, like be vulnerable, be willing to not lean on this pattern. Mm. Um, and that's easier said than done sometimes. Like sometimes we oh, that support. We need a therapist, we need a coach, we need someone to like be there as we navigate this, depending, you know, in where we're at in terms of where we're at in our trauma experience, yes. you know? For sure.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, what are the questions you have? I feel like I might have started something earlier and not finished it. I felt a little scattered. <laughs> Do you have <laughs> other specific questions for me? Or we can, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm curious. The, I, honestly, one of the questions I want to make sure I get to ask you mm-hmm. is if I am coming in to, into my therapy like as someone who, you know, not a therapist, but as someone who is... Going to therapy, and I know my enneagram type. Kind of, how can I integrate the enneagram hmm. therapy into therapy if my therapist isn't a specialist in that area?
1: Yeah. Um. So, yeah. It's it's. So I do it a lot. And the class that I teach goes into a lot of this sort of different modalities mm-hmm. and how to use the enneagram and ways that it can help and sort of practical things that you might be seeing in a client. If from a certain number or, or strengths and weaknesses for a therapist of each number. Um, but I think if, if, you're seeing a, if you know your Enneagram number and you're seeing a therapist and your therapist doesn't know much about the Enneagram, I mean, first of all, you could send it my way to my class if you wanted to. Um, um, but I, I think just using the language of the Enneagram to even frame your own struggles with your therapist. Like, my therapist doesn't know much about the Enneagram either. Um, but I will definitely speak from... I'll, I'll like do brief explanations, like as a nine, this pattern tends to happen. And what's interesting is is she's a really great therapist and she can almost speak to these patterns without even using the label of nine mm-hmm. because she knows me so well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, but our number shows so much of our own patterns and how we cope and how we behave and how we interact with things. And um, to, to use the language that you know, that your therapist might know to at least share with them and make sense of what they're saying or what you're seeing could be really helpful even on its own. Like, hey, I'm a sixth, and I tend to really, really be driven by fear a lot, and sometimes I don't realize that it is, so that's a lot of information just there for your therapist okay. to know. <laughs> um, if the, yeah, so, and, and I think one of the most basic things that therapists can use in session, even if they don't know tons, revolves, in my opinion, around the centers, with helping them balance the, the emotion, the thinking, and the doing, and the, and the body sensations. Okay. Um, I use that a lot. Uh, a lot of the passions and the fixations. Mm-hmm. So, the kind of, I've uh, each number, the emotional addiction and the cognitive addiction mm-hmm. show up a lot in therapy. Um, so, as a nine, my indolence and my sloth show up all the time, like um, in, in lots of different ways. And, and to put language to those things where my emotion tends to, my emotional state tends to move the path of least resistance emotionally for me, my passion mm-hmm. on the path of sort of least resistance mentally for me um, uh, and that fixation show up a lot. And so I, I, that can be a fairly basic thing to bring to your therapist too. Like, I don't know, like for a four, that, that envy, passion, and then the uh, melancholy fixation are huge behavioral patterns that can be easily seen. Um, and so those can be really, really helpful in therapy as well. I found some of them sort of easier to access parts of the Enneagram to use with your therapist or with your clients. Um, but yeah, it's a big topic. It'd be used so many different ways and, and, and different therapists can use it in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it, it's so, uh, it still blows me away how any modality I learn or any new training I, I, I do, it's it fits with the Enneagram. I don't know if that's just my nineness, wanting to kind of join everything together um, or if that's actually a thing. I don't know. It just seems to um, fit on so many different, so many different things that I learn and different, wildly different things that therapists use in their office can absolutely be integrated with the Enneagram really, really well, which I I think, which makes it so cool, (laughs) the possibilities.
0: In the summit, can you tell us a little bit about your workshop that you're doing for the summit this year?
1: Yeah, um, just sort of doing, I'm mentioning lots of ways that I use the Enneagram in therapy. Like it can be used with with this and with this and with this and with this and kind of what trauma is and how the Enneagram integrates so well with therapy. There's nothing, I mean, Not nearly enough time to. I could be talking for. I mean, I have a class that's hours and hours and hours, and a workbook 100 pages long for my class. But um, I wanted to provide like an overview of ways that it can be used in um, in therapy, especially so people maybe I don't know therapists hearing it can learn ways to apply Mm -hmm. it, or or um, or a client like, hey, this could be helpful in therapy. Uh, This this or maybe maybe the client like somebody going to see a therapist has more access to them parts of themselves than they even realized when they have the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, like you don't have to be a regular to therapy to be, I don't know, like if, if you've never seen a therapist before ever, but you're really into the Enneagram does a lot of inner work, then you're already several steps ahead because <laughs> it's okay. the, so much of the same thing. It's finding underlying patterns it happens in Enneagram work and therapy Um. um yeah, seeing seeing the ways we cope with things, trying to have compassion for parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's so many ways that it meshes up, and I kind of highlighted just a bunch of those in my talk. Yeah. That's what I tried to do, at least.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know we have like a ton of therapists, like in the audience, and people on the mm. who followed Instagram and listen to the podcast, who and who were joining in on the summit. So I feel like your topic is so needed and yeah. like wanted. So I I'm so grateful that you took the time to put this together for us and, and yeah, yeah, I'm glad you, you asked. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I uh uh when I first started like teaching the Enneagram and stuff on my Instagram and like doing that publicly, I was worried I would kind of overly niche myself that people wouldn't really there were a lot of therapy mm-hmm. accounts, a lot of Enneagram accounts, but not a lot of both at all that I found. And I was worried that people wouldn't really I know it wouldn't mesh well for other people, but it is, I mean, obviously it has. People really, really like it. Um, and people are always asking me, how do I find a therapist who's Instagram informed? Um, more and more of those questions come up. People are more and more realizing how helpful it can be in therapy as a tool, which is exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, your, yeah.
0: your account's one of my favorites to follow, too, because you just feel like you're, you do a really good job of articulating things, mm, thank really you. complex ideas in really succinct ways. Wow, um, thank
1: you. That's yeah. a huge compliment.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I really love following it. it. Like, sometimes, too, I think, I don't know if you feel this way, but the system's so complex that there are times where I will forget about an element of it for a little while, and then I'll <laughs> remember, it, and I'm like, oh, this mm. is such a, a special thing that the Enneagram has in it. But there's just mm. it's almost like learning Photoshop, where it's just like layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of media yeah, that's a great point. experience. Yes, good point. Yeah, like kind of pulling those into Instagram and are, thank like, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the
1: more the more I do work because I started doing work with Instagram with clients like right after I finished grad school, and so I had like thousands of hours of working with clients. And the more and more I work with clients, of all numbers. And all subtypes, I'm, I'm able to, I don't know, just like see ways that the like I'm, I still see new pieces of how the Enneagram can be effective mm-hmm. and how like the patterns of numbers that I might not have seen, or even, mm-hmm. I don't know, see, seeing these things so often it can be hard to put words to, but still sort of, I don't know, it really helps my nineness to really understand a, like a gut level where somebody's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the more and more I, I, I dig into it, the more ways I see it helps. <laughs> it fits so perfectly um yeah what else there's something else I wanted to share specifically um what was it no I talked about what trauma is um but the centers um yeah I mean I could I don't know how much time you have for this but we could talk about the ways that numbers tend to handle trauma if you want I don't know if, if you have time for that I don't know if, how much you planned out for this
0: yeah,
1: we'd love that if you if you can do that. We'd love it. Yeah, sure, I can. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's start with with eight. Let's um, talk a little bit about that. We'll start with there. I like to start with eight. The gut tried going moving around, and then yeah, sevens like to complain a lot because they're so impatient when I start with eight because they have to be last. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, so we'll start with eight trauma. They tend to when the the, the more traumatic things get. Eights tend to become the person who needs to help the situation they kind of shut them their own needs off very quickly and take care of everybody else who's sort of going through it and they make it about not about them which helps lots of people <laughs> and it doesn't let anything get processed for the eights because they they sort of shut that part of them off and uh and attempt to help other people and to make sure other people are taken care of and um yeah they just tend to take charge when bad things happen traumatic things happen and and because of that there's a lot of um lots of unseen and unrecognized trauma like like that wasn't trauma for me that wasn't traumatic it couldn't have been um or realizing way 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 later that like i was the only one who wasn't grieving when this thing happened i think of a specific client who had a relative die and she just like turned on this eight mode and took care of everybody and made sure it was taken care of and talked to the police and all this stuff and Never once slowed down to process their own stuff, and so years later we had to process a lot of it in in my office. Um, and that's that. So that sort of things like that can uniquely wound eights because of of them sort of checking out from themselves. Um, eights, nines, and ones can all tend to be pretty self-forgetting um, in different ways. Um, nines tend to just something numb out, dissociate, tell themselves that it's going to be fine. There's no big deal. This, I'm not affected by it. When really like bad or intense things happen, I can tend to feel nothing right away, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is why I, when the stuff happened with my wife, I felt so proud of myself that I was feeling all these things Mm -hmm. because normally it's just like, I don't know how I'm doing Mm -hmm. or, or, and I think that's okay. I mean, I still do that sometimes. Someone asks me how I'm doing and I'm like, I actually have no idea Mm -hmm. (laughs) right now, or somebody who cares really asks in a kind way. I thought I was doing okay. And all of a sudden tears start coming out just because I live in this place as a nine of my easiest go-to defense mechanism is to numb out okay. and not feel anything. Um, and then um, you move on to ones. Um, ones can really beat themselves up for how they're handling a traumatic situation. Okay. Like I'm not doing this right. I'm, I'm too anxious. I should be able to handle this. Like really, really turning their inner critic up a lot in an attempt to handle it better. But what that does event- initially, eventually is sort of, they can almost further traumatize themselves and, and not get the help they need, if that makes sense, right? Just kind of, um, yeah, just beating themselves up. And, and I see it. My wife now, my wife's a one and going through all this stuff. There's a lot of, she's really harsh with herself. Like, so anxious about all this. I shouldn't be. I'm like, yeah, you should actually. That's okay. Like, you're not doing this. She said the other day, she said, I was handling such a big thing so well, but now I'm not. I'm like, hold on. Like, who says you're not? Like, in your head as a one, you have this idea on how it should be handled. That is so, so often, so far from reality um, mm-hmm. that they can really beat themselves up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, twos can tend to um, be similar to eights and sort of need to help other people, but um, twos can turn into less active helping others and more of a hiding their own difficulties, mm-hmm. um, not wanting anybody to know that they're struggling so much with these things. Um, because I don't want to come off as needy and I don't want to have needs. And so oh, I don't even want to admit that this is traumatic in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, can happen a lot with twos and a lot of, because the biggest defense mechanism of twos is repression, sort of repressing these parts of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seeing them through trauma, it's easy to, even in my office, like wanting to ask about me or wanting to ask me yeah. how to help their husband or their friend. I'm like, hold on, that's not why you're here. Like, I'm not going to let you ask that. <laughs> you're not getting... <laughs> I'm not going not gonna to do that. I'm not going to let that happen. Um, that can happen with twos. Um, with threes of traumatic things and things that can further traumatize them, they, they can sort of see as a, um, one of the best advice I got from my time now with what's happening in my life um, was from a three that I know who's really healthy. Um, um, was you don't have to do this. She said this to me and I feel like this is what threes need. She said, you don't have to do this well, by the way. How you're handling this doesn't have to look good. <laughs> you can be a mess. You're allowed to be a mess. Nobody's expecting you to handle this perfectly. And I think that can happen a lot with threes, like needing to project this image of I'm doing okay. This is hard, but I'm working through it. When in reality, they're really struggling um, and just denying a lot of, so much of these are rooted in denying it themselves and disconnecting from themselves in their own way, which in turn causes it to not be processed. But yeah, the three, that image, image, the need to project an image and keep moving. Threes can move forward really fast and let's move on to the next thing. There can be a lot of a three beating themselves up for like, shouldn't I be over this by now? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no, you shouldn't. There's, you, there's no, nothing that says you should get over this. The eights can tend to do that too. Um, but like it's, it's having not grieved enough, like, shouldn't I be done with this? Like I, I thought I would be over this. Um, and, 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 and threes can tend to speed up and do more things to not feel what they're feeling, which can cause them to burn out even faster, and create just just their train can go off the rails and in really bad ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, for Enneagram fours, Enneagram fours, it's it's it can be really the opposite. Looking, they can tend to use. I like teaching this. Tens can tend to use depression and sadness as a defense, mm-hmm. like. Um, they are more comfortable in sadness. And so in feeling sad continually about something and not moving out of it, they almost stay connected to that thing that they have perceived that they've lost, if -hmm. that makes sense. So like Mm -hmm. um, people can wonder why fours can spend so much time grieving and mourning and like, I need to still feel this. It's still important to grieve this. Because in their minds, if they stop grieving it, they're going to lose it, if if that makes sense. And so fours can almost spend a lot of time believing they need to keep feeling the sadness and the emotions around the trauma when they might be good to go. Like they're, what they need is to move forward or to think about it or to do things different rather than just to sit in their pain and like bathe in their pain. Um, Cause the fours are really good at that and they're comfortable doing that. And so it makes sense that they naturally tend to overly use that part of themselves to process trauma. Um, but that can just keep it really, really stuck. Right. In its own way. Um you know, the fives? Fives can want to learn all about it and want to learn all the resources and give me the right book. On how, how how do I need to figure out this trauma so I can move through it? Mm-hmm. Um, right, like I ask so many, like a lot of people, especially in our culture today, when I ask how do you feel about that, they answer with a thinking, like, well, I think I think this. I'm like, oh, that's not what I asked. How do you feel? And the fives can be the hardest to keep there. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be really, I had a five once tell me that he felt emotionally colorblind. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just hard for him to even read and register and understand his own emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can be easy to just sort of check out, think, think about it, try to solve it in that way. And and again, that's just using one part of our brain and it's not using the wholeness of ourselves to process through things. Um, yeah. And sixes can be really similar in the head triad. Um and, and sixes tend to believe that they don't have what it takes to work through their trauma, like not trust themselves to work through it. Or shift blame. One of the main things that sixes one of the main defense mechanisms is like scapegoating or, 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 or splitting um or projecting. So like the bad in me that I don't like, I'm gonna put on somebody else. So it can it can turn into blaming other people um or Um, overly, overly trusting, like a healer of any kind to help me because I can't do it on my own, which is interesting because it it can help to find somebody an expert, but a six can go so far in trusting that that they they don't believe they can do it on their own. And there's not a, because what sixes need to heal from a lot of trauma is that I already have what it takes to do hard and courageous things in me already. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you, they just, it can be easy for a six to find like a healer of any kind, a pastor, a priest, a healer, a therapist or whatever, and just put all of their eggs in that basket and not trust themselves, which which can still keep them um, held back from from their own healing and future resilience. Um, then you have the seven. Sevens tend to um, be the best at just ignoring it and and or laughing at it and or right. or thinking that it hasn't affected them. Um, it's so like what's interesting is for the sevens, it's it's the threat around the trauma is a lot of times just the emotion itself, not this narrative of, like, I don't know, I'm out of control or people are going to leave me, or the, the, it's the emotion itself that can be a gigantic trigger for seven. Like, mm-hmm. just not believing that they have what it takes to handle hard emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a, a client of have a severe trauma involving her dad um, dying, like, right in front of her. and And this happened not that long ago. And she's just like, no, I don't. And she's has like flashbacks and all these things, but she'll laugh and make jokes about it and say, um, yeah. And just, and just when I I, like slow her down at all, she physically starts shifting and fidgeting and moving and I'm uncomfortable. And I have little fidget toys for her to just move. And you can just see how much anxiety Mm -hmm. comes up. Just even thinking about slowing down and looking at Mm -hmm. some of these traumatic things. Um, So it's, yeah, I think it can be really, really hard for sevens because um, yeah, it's like not even acknowledging, I mean, uniquely hard. I don't think it's yeah. more hard for anybody else. But um, I think the hardest, it's just, it's 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 difficult with, yeah, I've had multiple clients with like p- people, I don't know why. I've had like three clients with parents who have died in front of them and they're all sevens. Yeah. And it's like, they just, I remember one seven, as we were talking about it, I saw some sadness in her eyes and I started to get choked up. And then she paused and just kept talking. I was like, hold on, what just happened? What did you just feel? And she said, I don't know. I don't think I felt anything. It's like, are you sure? (laughs) And then she was like, I did. I felt sad. And she was not even consciously aware that she was sad. And her seven mechanisms were so fast moving that she didn't even know. It was just sadness. And then anyway, let's move on. And she didn't even realize it. And so part of our work was me, every time I saw it, stopping her like hold on Mm -hmm. pause to even notice it in the first place man Mm -hmm. it still it still floors me how hard that was for her like Mm
0: -hmm. um going to to therapy before the enneagram I I could trick therapists as a seven like I could (laughs) well I went through a lot as a kid but like but i'm good now it didn't really
1: (laughs) that's exactly what my clients have said yes (laughs) Yes. yeah sort of and and i think sevens can even trick themselves and think that they are good not even like an intentional lying
0: (laughs) Um, yeah and and it's almost like i don't know if i can talk about it from like here you know so i can just like oh yeah this happened and other people will be sad and I'll watch mm. them have emotions about the things that I've experienced wow. that I've never had. Or, mm. like, you know, I had to learn to have. But it is like when, when therapists or um, people will do this on panels sometimes, right? They'll pause you and they'll be like, mm. will you sit with that for a second? Mm. And it's like the emotion that arises just from the pause, just from that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I said something heavy and like feeling that it was heavy. Yes, is, it's a lot but it's it is a lot yeah but you don't mm-hmm. I, I think I didn't, I, like you said like I didn't even know how much what my body was holding yes I, and
1: I think and I think yeah the types that do that that's into them out that way are not helped by our own culture and our head-centric culture like talk therapy it's just about talking it out and understanding it and forcing yourself to be okay and um it just doesn't work long-term, especially with trauma, it just doesn't work. And I think the head types are sort of get a double whammy of our culture saying that it needs to be figured out with your head. And my enneagram number saying it needs to be figured out in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that could be really, especially with the seven who has no direct line to the, to anywhere in the heart triad, mm-hmm. which feels kind of unfair <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, su- my supervisor, my past supervisor who was a therapist for like a decade, it wasn't until a year or two ago that she realized she's a seven. She's social seven. And that she was thinking her emotions, not actually feeling them. And she had almost convinced herself, which was just incredible. Like, what a feat that is to, for that long <laughs> to have convinced yourself. I think it just shows the depth of how a seven can be sort of disconnected from those emotions and how easy it is for them to step back and disconnect.
0: And I think it is not to the harp on seven, but i am a little bit um but I think <laughs> it's easy. Um, it is easy because people we can trick people into thinking more heart types like people yes you know, kind of bent in this like really heart typey way
1: Mm-hmm. Um, warm and bubbly and kind of friendly and, and energetic in that way and it can seem really feely yeah
0: mm-hmm. yes and so i thought my whole life like i'm a feeler like
1: and then I married a four and he was like, you're not even close. That's, that's funny. I, um, I heard a, a four once tell me that like, she, she felt like she was able to go to the depths of the ocean when it comes to emotions deeper than anybody else. And when other people had to go back up for air, she felt really like abandoned, which was super interesting. Like she had the ability to just stay at the ocean floor of emotions for a long time, but her partner was a nine and just couldn't. And we and, and would have to go up for air in this metaphor. And she would feel really hurt by that. Like, you must not care. And it's easy to personalize. But it's just, it's so much different for other people than for us to feel, to feel things. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty incredible.
0: Thank
1: you. Um, yeah, we were on the whole circle, right?
0: Yeah. And yeah. you've given us a ton today, like a ton <sighs> of value. So I, um, <sighs> I just want to honor that time and that energy that you gave us. And I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it feels, I don't know, it feels easy. It's always been something I've been super, super passionate about, not just to work with clients, but to teach other people about this stuff. Because I think the more people know, the more we can normalize, the more we can get rid of shame. Because um, there's so much shame around trauma. Um, and I think when we can understand why it happened and how we're trying to protect ourselves at the core of our defense mechanism, that can, that can get rid of so much shame. It turns it, it turns from, I I'm messed up. Why did I do this? I did this wrong. Something's wrong with me, To wow, there's a really wise parts of me trying to protect me right now and, and mm-hmm. trying to protect me during my trauma. And that's caused problems, but at its core is an attempt to, to survive and mm-hmm. to thrive, and I think that's a really beautiful way to to look at it and <laughs> yeah. get rid of a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. So I love teaching uh, that. So Michael's
0: account is mm-hmm. Therapy. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Therapy. Uh,
1: there's an underscore, I think, after the Shahan, Okay. just to – yeah, if that's yeah, not, I mean yeah. Make sure
0: to link um, in the replay. Mm. We'll make sure that the link is accurate. You guys can cool. link over there. But please go check out his work and mm. the summit. He's um, teaching a workshop all about, all specifically for therapists, but I think it sounds like it would be beneficial for anyone to check out. I think like, so too. I think it
1: gave lots of people ideas on, on how they can utilize it for sure. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah.
1: Thanks for uh, inviting me to the summit. This feels like a huge honor. I'm excited about I was,
0: it. <laughs> I was like so excited. You said yes, so I appreciate that. <clears throat>
1: um,
0: well, well, we'll we'll see you next time.
1: All Bye. right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Bye.